All right, episode 28. I just made my wife stop watching the British Baking Show, her newest fave. How dare you? <laughs> her newest binge watching fave. <laughs> so I said, babe, typical Sunday night expectations. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Can you stop what you're doing? This is like crazy. This is just happening. <laughs> I'm not on top of it, you guys. All right. I'm okay. really trying hard, but I want to give props to Jessica Musgrave, who's been helping do some editing on some of these podcasts. And uh, we're looking for more producers and editors. So if that's you, jump on board. But take it away, Wendy Gapastone, episode 28. What do people need to know? Well, we are looking for some holiday cheer. And that means we want to hear your fun holiday stories. So maybe embarrassing, more maybe crazy. self-deprecating potentially. Yeah, that's we'll so take cheery. that. We want like, where did it go wrong? I'm saying I want the cheer of like, <laughs> oh, yeah. enjoying <laughs> Laughing at your folly. That's what we want. Yes. <laughs> or your relative's folly. Yes. So email podcast at bravemaker.com. With your holiday stories. If we want you want to be some. anonymous, you can do that if you don't care about not being anonymous. What's not being then anonymous? Being, <laughs> being, being public, known? being known. Just post it on the Facebook page. Okay? Do it. Okay. Do it, Canolios. Uh, that's all we got. Let's just jump right in because uh, a week from now, we have a screening uh, called um, of a film called Collisions that we can't publicize on social media, but we can talk about it like this because you know only a few hundred people are listening to this and it's not on social media, so that's fine. Oh, okay. Uh, but this uh, special guest is one of our participants in the panel discussion on immigration. If you care about that stuff, you should listen to this podcast. Well, you care about it already if you're listening to our voices now. So way to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So who's the guest? Oh, <laughs> Estefania Hermosillo. And I say that like with the best Spanish accent I possibly nice. can. And I was proud of myself. So let me say it one more time. Estefania Hermosillo. Awesome. And this podcast will come out December 10th. Yes. But what if people want to come to your screening? Yeah. If you want to come to the screening, it is, we only have like 40 tickets left and you can buy tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, message me through any means possible or make sure you sign up on the Brave Maker Buzz, which is our monthly email communications that goes out on bravemaker.com. You can just go to that website and put your information in. You'll get a return email with all the links that you can do to get tickets for that night. It's going to be at Century 20 in Redwood City. And if you can't make it to Redwood City, that's fine. Um, it'll be out hopefully in theaters sometime in the summer. So you'll see it then. Yeah. But you have a cool panel after. Yes. So I feel like... You guys, if you can make it, yeah. get your babysitters, yep. get your date night on yep. the calendar, yep. Monday night, December 17th. Come join us. Yep. We'll see you there. Yep. <laughs> you are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. All right. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My guest, Estefania Hermosillo, an yes. awesome Latino name that I just got to pronounce and I felt really good about it. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> you did great. So Estefania works with an organization called Immigrant Rising, and we are partnering with an event on December 17th with my nonprofit, Brave Maker, to screen a film called Collisions. And we are going to have a panel discussion on immigration because the film highlights a family that is dealing with t deportation, with uh, um, 
high school student and her elementary brother that are left behind as their mother is taken off by uh, immigration police. Mm -hmm. And so we invited a couple people who are working in the field of advocacy and Estefania, uh, welcome. So Immigrants Rising is in San Francisco and let's just jump right in. So what do you do? Uh, how did you get involved? Why did you get involved? That's a big undertaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at Immigrants Rising, I get to deliver the presentations that offer training for educators, parents, and students about how to navigate um, higher education as an undocumented student. So I do this through the districts in the Bay Area from San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, San Jose, up to Santa Rosa um, and other parts of California at times, and really just bringing an expertise to mm. um, the counselors, the educators, and the students about how to navigate um, education and higher education and what it takes to get to higher education. So we, we find that in climates like the ones we have today, with po where politics and where people are saying, or we have an administration saying, we're illegal, we're aliens, and DACA's terminating. It's like for someone who has never been involved in the immigrant rights movement who doesn't actually know about immigration, like the way I now know, um, it's it's a lost bubble. It, you don't understand what's happening. Sure, it's and, paralyzing. Um, it's paralyzing. And when I was in high school, so I myself am a DACA recipient, so I have Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And when I was in high school, I would see on the news that there was these students who were in Berkeley, like at UC Berkeley, at U and they were advocating. They were, you know, hosting rallies, and, and they would say they were undocumented. And, and it was like, okay, they made it there, but how? Mm. And I would go on Google at the time. I mean, it was what I graduated in 2011, so not too long ago. Yeah. But I would go on Google, and I would look for undocumented students, and nothing that I clicked on seemed to make sense. Nothing really made sense, even though I was clicking on things. And I I think I even came across a, a something that I, the organization I now work for offered. Mm. It was just the scholarships. Mm. All this list, and, and just none of it made sense. And so I went to my counselor. And when I went to my counselor to let them know that I wanted to go to college, 4.1 GPA, all of this extracurricular. 4.1 GPA. Yeah. Dang. You know, five, six AP classes, all of this different stuff, uh, which I just thought was the way you did school. Like, yeah. you, you do your best. You worked hard, yeah. That's all you got to mm -hmm. do. You do your best. My mom always said, do your best. So do your best, right? And, and when I went to this counselor, all she had to offer was it's really hard. There's not a lot of resources for undocumented students. Um, consider you have different options. One being that like you finish high school, work, and then whenever you become a citizen, go back to school. It's just really tough. Uh, you got to apply for a lot of scholarships, but there's not very many scholarships for students like you. Um, it's just now, was this hard. a college no high school counselor? High school counselor. Okay, at a like local public at high school. At my high school. Uh -huh. At my high school that I used to go to. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, what, 16. I already went on Google, tried to find all these things, didn't find much myself. Then I talked to this counselor, and I was like, okay. And then I said to myself, I'm going to do what my older sister did. She went to community college. I'm going to go to community college. And that's exactly what I did. I I did not apply to any university. Mm. I got I got things on the mail. I got things, you know, that came on. And I just I just decided not to go. And, and so our commitment, my commitment through the work that I do is tap that counselor who maybe has been saying that 
to shift what they're saying because it's not it that that she said it might be true it's hard but it didn't get backed up which then now what and what's possible mm. and i want people and educators to back up the yes that it might be hard with the what's possible yeah. and so now i get to bring stories like you know, once I went to a different counselor when I was actually in college, they opened me like they said, there's all of this and there's all of that. And I met students who and I met all these people. And all of a sudden I found out there was all of this opportunity that I just didn't know existed. You know, I stopped at one educator right. and it's like, OK, how could we have that student get empowered to go to multiple educators? And how could we have that educator be the one that actually speaks to what's possible to the student? So do you feel this sort of like frustration as you think back to that? Like, what if you had found somebody who was resourced? What could have been different for Estefania's future? Right, right. You know, I don't. I don't. And 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 I think for a moment, even t- talking about that counselor, I was like, oh, my gosh, how dare, dare they? Yeah. But or me, but I don't have the frustration because I one I I watched this video from Beyonce. <laughs> Go Beyonce, <laughs> Go Queen Beyonce, B. yeah, Queen, Queen B, <laughs> who like talked about in her life. She was I think when she was younger, she competed somewhere and uh-huh. she did her best, 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 like the best she could, and she still didn't get like this award that the she still didn't get somewhere. Yeah. But in the process, she learned a lot. And so when I watched that, I just reflected on my own story. And sure. I was like, I did my best, best, best. And mm. yes, I wanted to go to a university, but I, and I didn't. I went to community college. And for a moment, it was like, oh, I'm in community college. I shouldn't have been here. But I, wa- I literally watched this video. I was like, well, I did my best. What does it look like to do my best now? And community college, I mean, I got to travel all over the country. I got to meet all kinds of people. I have friends from community college that I would give my life for. Mm. I, yeah, I got to meet Governor Brown. I got to, like, organize and do all kinds of things that I just would, I don't know what would have happened. But I just made sure to do the best with where I ended up. That's cool. So no resentment. That's awesome. No resentment. And, and yeah. that's actually part of what I think our community, like in my eyes, what like my community, our community, like my grandma, my f- family, we just carry this ability to be like, okay. Mm. You know, I think sometimes people could look and say, wow, it's really bad. You know, it's really harmful. And, and it is. And how do we be with like the difficulties of what mm-hmm. the times, but also like the gratefulness we hold. Like that's there's cool. something really special about still being able to give thanks for where we are so let's talk about that because uh, you're you're referencing uh, maybe i'm making an assumption but yeah being in a minority culture or or under-resourced community it can often feel like the the oppressed yeah you are under the the privilege and the authority of people who hold the power and wield these decisions against you or for you or whatever and i so I, i hear you saying you're recognizing that could lead you to a place of uh, hardness and uh, resent resentment but you're Correct. saying no we're not going to let that uh influence us and rob us or steal our joy so how how Correct. do you yeah so how do you do that especially in this time when we are the, the political environment mm. is very hot yeah <clears throat> and i think for good reason it, it's hot in a way like it's coming to the forefront things that have been always there yeah right but right even now we're seeing in the news like the, the immigrants um, and their challenges the fear of deportation the uneducated information you know that's being put out there that's putting people at risk and harm or the the asylum seekers at the tijuana border how would you speak to 
the the culture and the time right now as a latina woman in this space yeah 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 i think for one um i i think it was like a psychology course i love learning but one where i really got to see like there's so many things to be upset about by default like so many things right now that i could be upset about Mm. so many climate immigration oppression like there's so many and to me it's like if that to like recognizing that i am upset like okay yeah that's upsetting Mm -hmm. and then but if i let that continue and influence my entire livelihood they won yeah the oppressor the whatever Mm -hmm. won me over Mm -hmm. because i didn't come to this world to be that Mm. i came to this world to contribute to give to provide, to be someone that's out there with people, with all people, and I want to have that show. And so it's like, yeah, I could do that. Yes, I recognize the upset. I'm not going to negate it. I'm not going to pretend it's not there. It just doesn't have to take over me and my experience of my life. Right on. You know, it's like, and so it's just so important, I think, right now. Um, also, when I recognize the news, and as someone who's participated in different capacities and other you know, organizing capacities, I know that we message things a particular way. We do messaging. Mm-hmm. We, we tell people this this is what's happening. And I think it's important for us to, to cons- okay, is that really what's happening? Or is that the, the narrative, the new narrative that we're putting mm-hmm. on top of this other thing? And so if I want to know what's happening with people that are dealing with the cases and the asylum seekers and all that, I need to actually call some people that are there. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to some people that are there like me. Like I would like to do it directly or a trusted source. I'm not going to trust what's coming out on the news to tell me what's happening. Cause that's a message that someone else created that filtered that then gave it to me that then I filtered. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I need to, if I really want to know, and if I really want to actually get what's actually happening, I need, I have it like what it, it's important to do for my own like sanity is actually reach out to people who are on the ground there Mm. versus a filtered source. Yeah. And there's so many organizations on the ground doing such incredible work um, that, you know, that could point to like the realities of what's taking place. So you seem to know why you're here on this planet. (laughs) We have, we have a thing on this podcast. We ask, who are you and why are you here? So how would you answer that? Yeah. Well, I'm Estefania. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I mean, I am woman. Like, I'm about leadership. You know, I'm about contribution. I'm here to make a difference mm-hmm. and to, to leave a mark in the people that I, that I touch, that I meet, that, that they walk away with an experience of like, well, that was actually really great. Mm. No matter who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so your story is of one who had to navigate through the educational system Correct. without having the proper resources. So that seems to give you a trajectory into this job through immigrants rising. Correct. Right? Correct. So let's hear that story. Yeah. You go to a community college and then what happens? And you're an yeah. undocumented you lived in California. Lived in California. Parents immigrated here or how that how mom. Okay. So mom, mom okay. immigrated here. Okay. 
um, without my dad. So I moved in with my grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts, 11 of us uh-huh. in a small mobile home, like two rooms. In, the, in San Francisco or where? Uh, Central Valley. I grew up oh, in the Central Valley. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I grew up in, which even more marginalized, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where, so people who don't know California, that's where there's a lot of um, people do farming, right? Correct. It's like, that's where a Correct. lot of people go for farming jobs. So where your, was your family in? Yes. Okay. Yes. My grandpa was, you know, cutting duraznos. My, I mean, I have an aunt who like, since they were six years old, were picking cherries mm. and, and fruit and uh, my, wow. my mom she would work um, in different in a comp- in companies just like factory work, you know. And um, uncles did construction, okay. and m- we were uh, what you would call a uh, different. St- like my family had different statuses. Like my fa- my mom and us were undocumented, um, but other people in the family were not, based on when you could when someone petitioned for fam- so it's like a multi-status family that's also the thing to get about statuses it's like you could have a citizen brother and undocumented si- sister wow. like it's not once it's, it's not like the whole family is undocumented right yeah. so my family we moved in together because that's the way it worked 11 mm-hmm. of us and um when i we would work in the weekends in the flea market so in the flea market my mom would s- had a side hustle so we would sell gold you know, uh, nothing like medallas de quinceañeras, medallas de, which is like the little, how would you say, quinceañera? Like bracelets, charms. Bracelets, charms. Yeah, bracelets, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 15 karat gold uh-huh. and all this stuff. So my mom had that side hustle and then we <laughs> would go and, you know, like business. That's what my mom did Yeah. on the side. And then she would work on the weekdays and we would help her out. And then, yeah, went to high school, did well. It was like, okay, you know, I'm just doing what I got to be doing, doing good. Here we are that my counselor told me what I said earlier that she told me and then once I was at community college met another counselor who said why are you here I said I don't know I want to go to school she said you should be at a university by now I said oh okay but then I started working as a waitress and that actually that year I was like okay I'm doing good I'm doing good but I got my first C in my second semester, the first year I've ever gotten in, I think in economics Isn't that class. world changing when you <laughs> get that grade you'd changing. never expect? Yeah. But I was taking all online classes uh-huh. and I was disengaging. Okay. I was disengaging from people like community college, like the experience mm. of other people. I was like, okay, I need to just do my own thing. Just because you work. had to pay the bills and work. Is that, was that what the, the it was, was practical? It was just what was practical. I was getting involved in other things uh-huh. and I was like, okay, you know, I've got to work as much as I can, you know, and, and just, it seemed to be what worked, but I got that C and I didn't DACA. I did not have DACA at the time. So I didn't and for have DACA. our listeners who don't know what DACA is, can you explain yeah. that? So DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Mm-hmm. And Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals is an executive order that President Obama gave in 2008. 2012, sorry. He was elected in 2008. Uh-huh. In 2012. And um, that executive order granted certain people who met requirements, um, work permit, license to drive, because you get that work permit, and protection from deportation for two years. And then we renew it every two years. Now, was it also? It was also called the Dreamer, um, the Dreamer Act, or is that separate? It's separate. separate. So, okay. so historical context. Uh-huh. Bring so, it. Bring it. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so, 2010, um, a little bit, yeah, like 2010, 2006, the biggest marches around immigration ever, and the administration, Bush administration, um, and this is how I 
heard of this, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bush administration actually started to do the redadas and a lot of deportations. And it was all part of a strategy to say we're like securing the border. We're letting more people go to and it was part of the strategy to lead to legalization. Okay. Did not work out. Not very effective. 2006, huge marches. Like, I mean, the biggest marches you've seen Chicago, Los Angeles, everybody. Lots of people remember the marches for immigration. Boom, boom, boom. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. No immigration reform. 2010, there is a federal DREAM Act. Ah, Federal Dream Act in 2010. Federal Dream Act in 2010 does not go through by a couple of votes in the Judiciary Committee. Very sad. It was during winter. Very, very sad. What happens after 2010, though, despite the sadness of the fact that this didn't go through, is that the amount of symbolic action, the amount of, of like thrust that the undocumented students did was aired so much that dreamers became coined ah okay so then when daca came through the deferred action for childhood arrivals people kind of had a notion of it connected to dreamers dreamers. okay and then in california when daca came through in california we passed the california dream act okay that's good to know The the california dream act has nothing to do with your status it has everything to do with money to be able to go to school DACA has to do with our ability to be in the United States legally. So in your work, would was DACA something, or sorry, that the DREAM Act was something really important in helping students go to school? The California DREAM Act, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the federal DREAM Act that did not pass in 2010 mm-hmm. was important for the national context because in California, undocumented students can go to school and get financial aid, but that's not the case in different states. Okay. So different states have different legislation mm-hmm. and requirements for how to go to college if you're undocumented. Because if I don't have a social security number and I'm undocumented, the state could easily see me as an international student. And you'd pay, you'd pay triple the amount potentially. Yeah. Correct. Okay, interesting. So just an observation, the power of, of rallying, the power of people Correct. rising up, the people doing something. That's Correct. a great example Correct. of the power of the tribe getting together and saying, we will not stand for this. Yes. Any I mean, Obama said we can't, I, even he said he couldn't do DACA either. He was like mm-hmm. flat out. Like I can't pass DACA. Like I can't. And undocumented students continue to mobilize and pressure and, and do what they had to do. And, and it was also a, ten, a tense moment for the movement because we're saying, okay, we're going to go through DACA. We're going to have DACA which is going to help 1.5 million, but there's 11 million undocumented people. So, like, are we, the students, the young people, selling out on our parents? Mm. Like, there's a whole lot of things that are internally as Complex, people that are, yeah. you know, moving this stuff forward. But I'm internally grateful for the people because at that time I was not advocating. I was not doing very much besides receiving the media news, which is part of what I'm pointing to people now. Like, if you're an educator and your students in high school, they're very likely not going to know this information because they're receiving i mean what was i doing in high school playing soccer hanging out with the boyfriend going to church <laughs> like and possibly watching the news every once in a while yeah. but they're not going to necessarily carry holding all of this knowledge right and so um if you're an educator like for you to it's so important that you know like your state what's your state offers um you could do that through like a website called you lead you lead u-l-e-a-d dot com or dot org and we'll put that in the show notes yeah and that um, will give you state by state like what's offered 
uh, in terms of in-state tuition and financial aid and all of that. Um, but in California, I I say that, I, yes, I went to college and it's really great. I went to college. I graduated. But definitely the systemic shifts in California made it possible, made it way more accessible for me to do that. Go California. Go we California. Love California. Go California for <laughs> sure. So if you're a high school educator and you're listening to this, please share this with your coworkers. I think this is really important. So Stephanie, with Immigrants Rising, which I love that name, and I think it's got some like really sweet visual power, which could also feel a little bit dangerous for some people. (laughs) I feel like some people could see it and be like, you know, there is this weird fear and uh, mistrust of the other. But the human side... Like, I have been so engaged this week. You know, this is December 2018 with what's been going on at Tijuana. And, mm. you know, it's uh, – sadly, I feel like I, you know, I have turned a blind eye to those things because it's not me. It's not my story. Mm. And we mm-hmm. can vilify people, right? Mm. And there is, quote, unquote, laws and all these different things. And so I've had conversations with family members or friends who say, well, this is the law and they have to – they have to do it this way. And I, there's part of me that understands that. And then there's part right. of me that says, but these are people who need our help. And so these are, right. these are children who are throwing up because of gas, tear gas that was thrown on them. And yeah. it, that, it's really unsettling for me. So that's a whole nother tangent. Um, <laughs> but your involvement with Immigrants Rising, how did that come to be? And I'd love to yes. hear about your uh, the work you're doing on the ground with it. Yes. So um, it was previously Educators for Fair Consideration. So Glad you guys changed that. Yes. We were, at, we were E4FC and everybody got confused about EFC, E4FC. I mean, people couldn't introduce us. Yeah. So we were Smart. E4FC, Educators for Consideration. We just changed that this year. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad because it looks good on the flyer for the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were E4FC. And so I'm like doing some advocacy work. I started getting involved with uh, people improving communities through organizing, PICO, Interfaith, National Nonprofit, that moves political change people of faith into politics right mm-hmm. and to do political change so i'm doing that and then there's this guy his name's ugo okay he goes hey you need to know about e4fc he's a bay area guy and he goes you need to know about e4fc and i'm like who's they i don't know who they are and then uh he goes yeah 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 and i go to an event uh, representing a different organization so i started i was pretty involved in college right mm-hmm. and and at that organization he goes e4fc is here e4fc is here and he introduced me to who they were and then like three weeks later i get three emails from three different people saying you need to apply for this internship and it was a fellowship that e4fc was offering in which we would do like presentations it was part-time but lots of training around immigration lots of training on being able to public speaking and educate communities about what's happening with immigration and um you know i was about to go to uc davis which is where i went to school okay and there was this internship and should i apply should i not apply and i was like yeah i'm gonna go for it like three people just recommended this and i applied and then i got the internship awesome and when i got the internship there was 18 other of us 18 other like young undocumented people who are just bold and audacious and up to stuff and and it's just you just you just love it like we shared what we were dealing with people we have not seen because we're not able to go back to our home countries Mm. if we go back we can't come back like the the dilemmas in our lives that only someone who's living that experience could really get what it's like um at that level like we just get to share about that we got to um then 
pub do the like learn a lot about our stories being able to share our stories in front of an audience inspire parents mm. students how do you tap into their heart you know to think beyond where they're at right now and, and having us have to share those moments where we were also when we were that age right and so and when i graduated i reached out they had a full-time position to do that full-time and i was like okay i want that like i want that and i, I coordinate all the requests we receive we presented thousands of people a year wow. and you know I, I coordinate that i help with the whole back-end process and then deliver a lot of the presentations we've expanded the kinds of presentations we offer over the last year so who is your audience and is it more educators and adults or families or students who are the people you're doing these presentations for yeah yeah, yeah. so our audience the the way it works is if someone's interested they go on our site and request a presentation ah. And then they tell me who their audience is. Okay. So then they say, hey, we're educators or we're students or we're parents. Cool. And usually it's a school hosting the event. So a school will say, we want this kind of training. We want this kind of information in our school. So they submit a request and then they they will sometimes bring us to their professional development days for the educators. They'll bring us to their parent nights for the parents. Or they'll bring us to college night for their, college, for their students that want to go to college. Mm. And we show up and present very cool and give training and we offer a couple other different programs that are a little bit more long-term um and that offer like long-term training or long-term development of programs within the high schools um through partnerships and things like that yeah so this the way we're connected is you're going to come speak on this panel yeah. on monday december 17th at the century 20 theater and the film that we're screening has a storyline of a high school student mm -hmm. who is taking her SATs and mm -hmm. she is trying to go to college and right. she finds, I'm not going to, I'm going to speak generally so I don't do any spoilers here, but she's trying to navigate the, the, the challenges of being in a, uh, in, in a system that seems to work against her a little right. bit. Um, right. So I'm wondering with the work that you're doing, what kind of stories are you seeing or experiencing with the students that you're helping? Do you have any that you can share of yeah. success or even like the challenges of what they have to endure today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, since the election, I've had students cry, like afraid, just afraid, even though nothing's happened, yeah. quote unquote happened, just crying because of the possible of what could happen in terms of deportations. Yeah. No one, I, I can't even imagine a parent having a conversation with the, with their child saying, this is what there is to do if I don't show up. Yeah. Like, why? Because I went to work. And I won't be able to come back because I went to work. It just, it's like irrational mm -hmm. in like the what we think. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Right? And so definitely lots of fear in the students. Um, in terms of stories of things that have actually taken place, um, we I I haven't heard necessarily of of anybody that that and like nobody has actually told me about anything that's happened in their family. Again, it's most like fear because it might it happen. Might happen. Okay. Um, but I do hear like, oh, my friends, this person or mm -hmm. this person had this happen. So it's more like somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, there's the organizations like you, all you could do is offer the support that, that, that they need. I mean, there is family protection plans. Like there is like, how do you be, um, like, how do we, again, we, it's also different when I talk, when I talk about my story, than when I talk, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of parents that are undocumented. And it's interesting because their experience, sometimes they say things like, well, we came here kind of like the consequences 
are part of like what we expected but they're given because we we came here like it's kind of like it's interesting like i'm more like it's unfair you don't understand and then then some people who are older are like yeah but that's that's the risk that's the risk i took took. Mm, gotcha that's the risk i took like it came with the whole package of coming and i still choose i'm still gonna be here over being where i was at yeah because of what this is, po- what this makes available for my child. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the the journey for many of those people was about the future for their children. Totally. Well, right. I mean, sure, they wanted it for themselves. They wanted yeah. the American dream. They wanted the benefits. Yeah. But it's also a sacrifice that comes with the risk too. Of I want something better for my kids. Yes, and I mean, in terms of the people coming right now, like the thing, the thing to get about that is you can't literally the way to be asked. The way to access asylum is by stepping into the United States. Yeah. They need to put a foot into mm-hmm. the United States mm-hmm. to be able to be considered for asylum. So it's like, okay, like that's the only way they have access. But if they're getting beaten down at the border of trying to do that, that's the the dichotomy of that whole situation. Yes. Like, wow, how like, like traumatizing. When say, like when we say, especially like the whole thing around like the law, right? Because I totally mm-hmm. get it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what is the law? What are the boundaries within, mm-hmm. you know, we're a country of laws and all this mm-hmm. stuff. But within the design of our law and within the design of our law, it's like you need to make it to the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they're doing like, if I had a checklist and I had priorities, A, B, C, my A would be, okay, put my foot in the United States. Mm-hmm. Because then I can't actually access anything else. And they're fleeing, like, their home countries, right? And so so it's kind of interesting because that step A is to step into the United States. And it's like, how, how, does, how do they do this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we do have some other processes that are completely impacted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, what is it? Uh, there's a, a casa. Uh, Osorio? I don't know that. Uh, Osorio is, she's a uh, newly elected Congress member. Okay. I can't remember her first name. Okay. But oh. I know that her, mm-hmm. Osorio. One of, the, one of the newest. Um, one of the newest ones. Okay. The younger, mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. the y- youngest, newest ones. And she mentioned like, why didn't we, instead of bringing all these people to the border, why didn't we bring all these people to handle all the cases faster? Mm. Like to process, process all the cases. Right. Like instead of 5,000 people at the border, 5,000 people within immigration to process yeah. all the cases. And that's where I go. So I feel so ignorant, you know, on political systems. I feel mm-hmm. more like my heart hurts for people. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, I have this pastor background. I have this yeah. creative bent. Uh, I don't feel like I'm really great at understanding policy, mm. but I know I understand humans. Yeah. I understand parents. Yeah. I was a kid, so I understand the need for safety and for shelter and for food. And so when I get into the conversations where people are saying that things are impacted, um, where are these, you know, quote unquote, where are these people going to go? We don't have any room for them. We have enough people who are already here who need resources. And I go, I get that. I really, really do. I hear that. But part of my heart when it comes to like the strange and sacred ways of being a human, I go, but do we 
do we just shut people out though even though we're all trying to get the nut you know like mm-hmm. the squirrel trying to get the nut mm-hmm. maybe there's only one nut but there's there a way for us to share this nut like isn't mm-hmm. there there's people who have way more than enough how do we and i don't know I, again i'm talking out of my my ear here because right. people could say you're talking about socialism you're talking about communism i go i just know that we humans need these things and how mm-hmm. can we help humans get their basic needs i mean if they're not safe don't we owe our fellow humans a safe place to be if that means there's you know an apartment building that has too many people then we need to figure that out if there's i don't know it just gets to this place of it's so overwhelming when we start talking about the complex policy stuff that i i know we need but there's there's something that hurts my heart when i see these images of people just being turned away right as well as hurt and harmed as they're shoved away as they're as it is it yeah. is and yeah. and i think it's an important time for i know i do this like i it's called check myself yeah. like check my beliefs mm-hmm. check check why i think what i think like what had me think that yeah. you know what had me think that about that person right like my biases mm-hmm. my assumptions so it's important that listener us me you all of us are constantly checking ourselves mm-hmm. you know even as i'm saying what i'm saying today i'm like okay where is that coming from like check myself instead of speaking like we know the truth yeah because you don't know the truth mm-hmm. i don't know the truth no one has the actual right we're truth, all just truth, trying truth, to figure truth. it out and make and it up so, as we go sometimes. and sometimes we're making it up as yeah. we go and what yeah. if we were actually able to own like okay i'm gonna, kind of making this up yeah but this is how i see it yeah and let's that's build right with this that's you a know? great way to say this is how i see it right now right um, so you mentioned about being a part of a church yeah. earlier i'd love to hear how that's inspired your or influenced your the way you see things but i'm trying i'm trying to change the way i, I phrase things about my faith because i think when we say anything like this is how it is uh, or the like in my context and my cultural background, at least for the past you know 20 years, we would often say the Bible says this boom, boom, boom. Mm. And now I'm starting to rechange, like just rephrase that. The Bible says a lot of things, quote unquote, but this is how I see it. Right. Or this is how I'm reading it. Mm. And so, cause you might ask me two years from now and I might have a totally different perspective on what I just said. So I can't say Correct. this book says this or says that. Correct. I'm going to read these words right now and then I'm going to interpret or, or I'm going to think, I'm going to say what I think they say. Correct. <laughs> but you could ask 55 other people and they would have different perspectives too. So Correct. I'm wondering how that's been for you. How has your faith or your church involvement or your yeah. understanding of spirituality affected your work? Yeah, I mean, totally. It's totally impacted my work in many ways. Um, I mean, for one, I remember in high school, there was like the whole like never change. And uh, it's in like, your books, when people write <laughs> in that. In your books, yeah. people are like, oh my God, you're so great. Never change. I'm like, I better change. <laughs> I better not stay a high school student with a high school mentality yep. for the rest of my life. I better, we're malleable, like human being malleable. Like, yep. you know, our being is malleable. Being, we, we could be so many different things. And so... I mean, I, I, let's see, I grew up in a Catholic church, just connected. I, when I was six years old, my, my aunt had me be uh, La Virgen Maria and I had to memorize this poem. La Virgen Maria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like the Virgin Mar- Maria. Virgin Maria. Mary, Virgin yeah, Maria. Yeah. Mary, yeah, Virgin Mary <laughs> in a little like posada, in okay. a little uh, Like a little play, like a church play. Yeah, like play. a little play and yeah. stuff. And 
and she's like you have to memorize it today though and i'm like seven years old and she's i'm like what she what? goes yeah you have to memorize this whole thing and 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 i said okay so i just read it read it read it read it and then i did it and i like delivered it like it uh-huh. wasn't just i did it like i delivered it there was like tears <laughs> people were all moved by the it the seven-year-old virgin mary has spoken <laughs> <Yeah>. over here <laughs> yeah and you know I, I liked church my aunt was very involved she was mm-hmm. part of the like the people that danced mm-hmm. really great people um we went to retreats um that were really healing i mean it, part of the impact on my life for Im- immigration was my relationship with my dad who i didn't see for i barely saw him two years ago for the first time in 16 years because wow. i traveled with daca because uh, he was never able to come over he never he got. didn't come um you know he didn't come the, the i i used to think about it like he wasn't able but he actually could have applied and given the dynamics of how everything went through, I mean, where his livelihood, I mean, it's like I could write a whole book about our yeah. life story about that. But the being part of church had me really be like, OK, forgiving of mm. what he did, what my mom, like how it mm. turned out. Um, going to some church retreats were really helpful. Um, and then just different courses, like, you know, different work that was that I found along the way. I am very um, open to meeting people and what people could like provide as well like i think i contribute to people people contribute to me and so yeah people have introduced me to a lot of different things that i'm like oh my god that was really great Mm -hmm. like what is that and i get curious and i find out about it and then i'm like okay i want to do that or i don't want to do that and um there's been just so many things along the path that have been really helpful for me that's cool yeah we uh say on this podcast that life is sacred and life is strange and i love hearing people's experience with god and with spiritual communities because sometimes yeah. uh we tend to idolize those places uh th- those buildings with crosses on it to be the the perfect end-all be-all mm, yeah. and uh sometimes i often hear stories where things went wrong you know Correct. where there's it's the, a place the sunday morning gathering can be a place of judgment and a place of putting on shows and mm-hmm. not being real with what's really going on in your life uh mm-hmm. But I love hearing when there's positive experiences where people yes. find hope and, you know, you experienced on a retreat the ability to forgive. Those are awesome. That's what I think the church is not a place. It's a people living together. It's a people. You know, and and that's what we're supposed yes. to be about. Yes. And, and I think one thing that I've really gotten to see that's giving me a lot of, like, it's been kind of healthy for me. It's just, I, I since I grew up in the church, um, and I grew up doing community work or I started doing community work, I always saw that, like, I was really good. And then I was like, then there's those people. Uh-huh, those people. <laughs> yeah. But I, I then really saw that even by saying that, yeah. I am being one of those people. Yeah, like there's totally. so much there's so much judgment coming coming out of what I just said, right? Mm-hmm. Or coming out of that even that thought. Like mm-hmm. and, and then it's like, Oh my gosh, I judge too. Mm-hmm, oh sure. my gosh, I do it too. I am like the most judgmental person uh-huh. ever. Uh-huh. I am the person that sometimes lies to get away with things. Yeah. I do that. And being able to then be graceful at like my um imperfections and my humanity has been so awesome versus like the like always trying to prove that I belonged here, that I was perfect, that I had to be like always trying to prove that that was exhausting. Mm-hmm. But really then seeing like, oh, my gosh, I do that, too. I'm not yeah. better than yeah. you. I'm not better than anybody else. We are all like this. It's great. Uh, you know? Yeah. One of our podcast guests a couple weeks ago, Laura Turner, was just sharing about how the better that we can get at telling our stories 
where we're open with our humanity, where we're not mm-hmm. just glossing over the, the pain and the ways that we don't have it together, um, that actually makes us more accessible to everybody. If we're not yes. just like putting everybody else over there and we're over here, yes. but we can say like, I'm just like you, I don't have it together. Like, let's be friends, let's be connected. You're yes. human, I'm human. And somehow we're all connected in this God story and we're all trying to figure out who this God is and how we understand this God. And yeah. uh, I, I really, I, I love that. I really resonate with that. So yeah, I just beautiful. want to affirm you, the work that you're doing Thank you. is really, really good work. And Thank you. really gr- grateful to connect with you and yeah. what you're doing through Immigrants Rising. Where yeah. can people, is there anything else you want to say about your work or your story um, at all? Yeah, I mean, our or, uh, just the organization has a lot more to offer. I touched on a lot about what I do, but mm-hmm. we definitely have a couple of different programs. We do work around um entrepreneurship we for provide a free legal service we have some spaces for storytelling we you know just get to bring we provide scholarships scholarship databases lots of information and content and it's it's just um accessible online it's actually a lot of it is really accessible online there's videos there's little films somewhat films on there well i wouldn't say films but they're stories (laughs) they're stories i don't know the difference between films and (laughs) anything but anyways there's little videos with people's stories Uh and uh, immigrantsrising.org is our website so that's immigrantsrising.org um and yeah like you said it could be that it could be a little intimidating for people like what do you mean rising and Mm -hmm. immigrants and isn't that what we've been doing? Like immigrants have Everybody. been rising. That's right. Like isn't That's right. that isn't that what we're, we've been doing? Yep. People have been doing this for a really long time. It really is just like the like the indigenous people of, of that have been here. Yep. Like that that is the the people who could um in you know who actually have been actually pretty a lot of them that I've met have been very welcoming of me and other other folks. Like they could really speak to like what it is to have people come and then and then with um, like possession mm-hmm. versus people coming with like we're here to join you and and create something together. That's fantastic. And so I think immigrants rising is like we're here to be here and we want to create here and we're figuring out ways to create here uh, because this is where we're at. Like if we're gonna be here, we're gonna make the best of it because this is where we're at. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Make yeah. the best of it, and then as you're doing that, you're making the world better around you. Like we Correct. need, we need people who see their their own value and their own dignity. Because when they do, yeah. when they live that out, then they're going to bestow that on other people too. Yes, you know, and no, yes. and, and we're going to eradicate those people, quote unquote, being anybody. We're all those people. We're There's all one those. those we're you know? all. We we could all. We actually all have the capacity, yeah. potential, ability to be that. Yeah. All of it. Awesome. We've been that with different in different times in our lives. Yeah. Well, do you tweet or Instagram or anything like that? Do you want people I to don't. find you? You don't have. Okay, you don't. <laughs> I don't. I rarely <laughs> even go on Facebook. Wow. Well, if you want to meet a Stephanie, you have to come on December 17th. You got to meet me uh, on <laughs> December 17th or, you know, send me an email. It's on the website. Right on. I, that's all the, pretty much as much as I do. Cool. Um, and so. I envy you. I honestly do. Like to have that connection with yourself and not have all those millions of things. I love social media. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But sometimes it can feel like, Ooh, you need a break. Okay. Yes, this is why I, I was like cutting it. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah. So, hey, Brave Maker is uh, and Holy Cannoli, this podcast is grateful to partner with Immigrants Rising and with you and looking forward to screening the Richard Levine film Collisions on 
17th, December. If you're listening to this afterward, that's fine too. Just uh, connect because we'll probably hopefully have another connection in the yeah. future because we really want to be telling stories, brave stories, change the world. That's what we're trying to be about. And life is sacred and life is strange. And we need all of us to do the work together. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. You can post questions or suggest topics for the podcast on our Holy Cannoli Facebook page or use the hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast on Twitter and we might read your question or suggestion on air.